Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. You are a hard man to get a hold of, but I really want to talk to you about an article you had written for GIS about Iran's nuclear ambition. And you had some kind of key takeaways in there, but I want to start off with this idea of breakout time. Can you kind of explain for our viewers um, what exactly you mean by breakout time? Well, I'm not a nuclear physicist, but I, I think that that term is often used uh, inappropriately. People use it a lot. What it really means is the time it would take a country to produce enough fissile material for one bomb. Um, so it's not the time it would take for them to produce the bomb itself, but the time to produce the fissile material. The building of a bomb itself is a whole nother uh, scientific and engineering challenge. And right now, Iran's breakout time to, to get that fizzle material is pretty short. Yes. Under the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action from 2015, the agreement with the P5 plus one, the five permanent nuclear powers uh, plus Germany slash EU and Iran, uh, it was it was real quick. The Iran nuclear deal, as it's commonly yes. OK, yes, exactly. The Iran nuclear deal, as it's commonly called. Uh, they envisioned that it would take a, at that point. Now, that remember, that's, uh, you know, 2015. <laughs> that's a long time ago that they envisioned that it would take a year for Iran to be able to produce enough fissile material for one bomb. Recently, the International Atomic Energy Agency, IAEA, which it monitors, I mean, that's the, the UN's nuclear watchdog, which monitors this agreement, um, says that it could only be a couple of weeks, that Iran could have has enough stockpiled low-enriched uranium that it, in a couple of weeks it could produce enough high-enriched uranium um, to produce a couple of, uh, you know, to, to, to produce at least one bomb, maybe a couple of bombs. So this is, uh, this is alarming, you know, and it hasn't gotten the attention recently because of everything else that's going on in the world. I mean, obviously Russia, Ukraine is going on and obviously the issues in, in the Middle East, even though this is a Middle Eastern issue. My next question kind of ties into that. An Iranian nuclear armed Iran, not good for the Middle East, not good for the world. No, not at all. I mean, we don't want to see this. We don't want to see another country join the once exclusive nuclear club. There's a lot of reasons to be concerned about Iran. They want they want hegemony over the Persian Gulf. They want they want hegemony in the in the Middle East. Um, they have serious issues with the United States and, and Israel, as we know. Uh, they have a tremendous amount of animus towards the United States and Israel. Um, they also are a, a radical regime that supports terrorism. Right. And one of the big concerns is, and as we've talked about this in the context, you and I haven't talked about it, but analysts have talked about this in the context of Russia, Ukraine, is Russia has nuclear weapons and Ukraine doesn't. And Russia may have more freedom of action because of concerns of escalation from the conventional scale to, to the nuclear scale. So a, a radical Islamist regime that supports terrorism with nuclear weapons and has great power aspirations is, in my estimation, is not a good thing. So we do not, nobody wants it. Well, the, many people do not want Iran to get the bomb. I'm not sure who does, although they do have some relationships with some other uh, sort of rogue states. But I, certainly the United States does not want to see uh, Iran get the, the, the bomb. I want to unpack a little bit of what you said there. You mentioned Russia and Ukraine. And, it's, you know, the, the West has been... Um, hesitant to give Ukraine all the weapons that they've requested because of this nuclear threat that Russia might escalate and might go to a nuclear option. And, and you're saying that, you know, if Iran gets that, then the way the West or industrial world deals with a nuclear-backed Iran 
going to be very, you know, there's going to be more hesitation because who knows what they're going to do. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, you know, the nuclear weapon provides deterrence. It also provides a power projection. Uh, right now, Iran's ballistic missiles can range all of the Middle East and parts of southeastern Europe and also into, uh, into South Asia um, at about 2,000 kilometers. Uh, but they also have a space program, which is really the cover for, I believe, an intercontinental ballistic missile program. It's basically the same technology. A space launch vehicle and an ICBM are basically the same technology, except for what goes on the top, uh, where you would have a warhead or maybe a satellite or something along those lines. And Iran might do it. So someday that could threaten the United States. Um, and so this is something we need to be concerned about, considering how the Iranian regime talks about the United States. It, it often uh, calls us the big Satan, and Israel the little Satan. Yeah. Um, and you know how tense relations are right now. U.S. ships are, are working in the, in the Red Sea to prevent a Iranian proxy, the Houthis, from firing all sorts of uh, projectiles at, uh, at international shipping and even sending them towards the northern Middle East. In your estimation, and obviously this is this is all speculation at this point, because sure. we're, we're not Iranian, we're not in the regime. We talk about the missile delivery system, the ICBMs, the space program being cover for, for that technology. Does Iran need to use ICBM or missile to be able to deliver a nuclear device if they have these terrorist proxies that could dirty bomb, you know, backpack nuke kind of thing? Right. Well, first of all, it's important to note that we're not quite clear as to whether Iran has the technology or capability to build the bomb. Okay. They're working on the material that's required. And then there's a whole other set of scientific and engineering challenges that are required to actually make that warhead. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so even if they had an underground test, which they've tested nothing so far, um, you, you know, and they might try to use supercomputers to say we have the capability of doing it. We're not sure that they actually have a warhead. OK, gotcha. so then once you once you do this thing underground, you do this testing underground, then you have to miniaturize mm -hmm. that engineering rig to be able to put it in the, the, the uh, nose cone of a missile or something else. So you're talking about miniaturization. Uh, a, a back a nuke backpack is something that was talked about during the Cold War. That takes a tremendous amount of science and technology. You know, just getting it down to fit it in the nose cone of an ICBM, which can carry a lot of weight, is a real challenge. A dirty bomb is not a nuclear weapon per se. It, there's no, uh, you know, fission or fusion in that. It just spreads radioactive material. So it's important to, to clarify those things. But yes, I mean, ultimately, Iran down the road could certainly, you know, put a nuclear weapon in a, in a ship and sail right. it into a harbor. They could, they could put it on an aircraft. Remember, that's how, you know, they started with, with us, was with aircraft. They could put it on a. They could put it on a missile at some point, a different size range. Once they're able to create that sort of a warhead, they also could put it on a drone or a cruise missile. Um, so, and remember, Iran is a major supplier of drones and a major leading drone uh, power in the world today, and they're providing them, as we know, to Russia. Russia. Um, and they're used for both ISR, intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance, as well as weapons delivery. So there's all sorts of ways you could you could do this. And yes, that's obviously a concern. Right now, there's a concern that Iran is sharing its weaponry with its its uh, allies and proxies uh, in the Middle East. And some of them are terrorist groups. So, yeah. yes, you know, some people, you know, Iran is, is the most active supporter of state terrorism in the world. And them having the bomb uh, should give us a significant pause, especially the people that they 
that they work with. We're talking about Iran sharing tech with their with their allies. Those allies are probably sharing tech right back with Iran. So even though Iran doesn't have the engineering to build a warhead yet, who's to say that they're not working with Russian engineers or North Korea to develop that same technology, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's believed that Iran got access to designs yeah. uh, from AQ Khan. Remember him, the proliferator. Um, you know they, that he they got access to designs, but that you know taking it from uh, a, a design to a an operational warhead or a bomb is is another step. step. But they've also been involved in producing certain types of metals that would be used in a in a weapon. Now, remember, there's a lot of uh, theater going on here, too, right? Geopolitical theater, where Iran wants people to think certain things so they have leverage. So it, it, there's, there's a lot of things involved there. But you're right. That's a very good point. Foreign assistance can change the pace of a program. So if they were, I mean, the Russians obviously know nuclear weapons, right? Um, so you could have state sponsorship of assistance to Iran, or you could have, uh, we, we used to worry about after the end of the Cold War, was the brain drain from some of these countries for nuclear scientists who were looking for work, um, you know, to make money. So this is, is something. So Russia and Iran have become increasingly close. We expect advanced conventional weapons to move in the direction, Russian advanced conventional weapons to move in the direction of Iran. And, but, and Iran is not supplying these drones just for money. They're going to want things. So there, there, there could be something there. It, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that Russia does not want to see another nuclear power because for these large nuclear states, the more people that have the weapon, the, it devalues their deterrence. Right. Okay. Right. So um, that's something. But Iran also has a relationship, a very quiet relationship that I, in, in the public space, we don't know much about with North Korea, mm -hmm. which is already a, an increasingly capable nuclear power. I mean, they're talking about putting nuclear weapons on submarines now and having an at-sea deterrent. I mean, that's something you may want to look at sometime in the future. But so, yes, a outside help um, can move a program much faster uh, than a program looks to uh, analysts on paper. So, yeah, that's something to be concerned about. So back in November, when the GIS article came out, you had you had kind of ended it with there's a sliver of hope that maybe Iran, <laughs> maybe Iran comes to its senses and backs off. In the month, two months since the article came out to now, do you still hold on to that small sliver of hope or is it is it gone? It's it's even smaller. <laughs> uh, I was trying to say, look, you know, we have a regime in Iran right now. Uh, that is led by a particular leader, and there are a lot of hardliners, and Iran is a hardline regime, but there could be a change, right? I mean, it's always possible. We're always surprised by these sort of things. Think about all the color revolutions and things along that line. So Iran, if it had a change in leadership, I could see it moving. Of course, once again, it's important to point out that Iran says that their nuclear program is for peaceful energy purposes, okay? So they're, they're saying, and they're saying, Islam would not allow the creation of a nuclear weapon. But I mean, you know, it's one of these things, are you going to believe them or are you going to believe your own eyes, mm -hmm. you know, because of what we're seeing. But once again, there's also the drama involved in the geopolitical maneuvering that's involved where they're trying to get leverage. Okay, so the perception of a bomb program also gives you leverage. Okay, and when we know we don't, there's a lot of things we don't know about the, about the Iranian program. So yes, 
there's always a chance that they could say, okay, this is a bad idea. We want to be integrated in the international system. We want all of the all of these uh, sanctions to go away, but the challenges that are going on in the Middle East and the possible for a wider conflagration uh, there, um, I, I don't think Iran's going to move in that direction right now. Once again, like I said, this is a possibility, okay, yeah. and not, not a big one, and it's probably smaller now, uh, but Iran, but that's a choice for Iran to make. There's been, countries have continually opened the door to Iran if they were to change their behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've they've chosen not to, and they've stayed the same same course. And there's a lot of reasons to be concerned about Iran besides the nuclear weapons. I mean, it's their you know support of terrorism. We talked about you know the human rights situation in the country, uh, things along that line. And other things, people say, why is Iran pursuing you know nuclear weapon or nuclear energy when they have all that gas and and uh, oil? oil? Yeah. So it's it's very expensive if you were to think about it in that in that sort of thing. And for a country that is terribly economically mismanaged and should do quite well considering its thing. It's it's rather impoverished. Peter, let's leave it there for now. I'm sure in a couple of months, we'll probably be circling back and uh, figuring out uh, the latest Iran steps. But thank you so much for your time okay. today. Really appreciate it. And uh, have a great one. You too. Take care.